1: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off his cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, guys,
0: welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan, and special guest today, Matt Love, The Telegraph. Uh, covering Chelsea, Villafan, and everything else pretty much going on around Europe. So, Matt, thanks for coming back on the show and joining us.
2: No
3: worries. My pleasure.
0: Awesome. Well, kicking it right off, what we're going to be doing is just talking about Chelsea and a lot of different things um, based on a lot of things that Matt's done this season. But right away, it's Lampard's first season at Chelsea. It's been a long one, and sometimes I forget it's only been one season. (laughs) Um, But I guess, like, how have you kind of viewed Frank's overall first year in charge in the premier league
3: certainly in the premier league i think he's done done really well um i i remember saying to someone when he was first appointed that if he got in the top four it'd be an excellent achievement and that, um he'd probably be overachieving if he did given they'd lost hazard and and the transfer ban and whatnot and having to to bring in so many kids so look there's been a few ups and downs in the league there's been some bad results for sure and some bad performances but um, I don't think he can knock what he's done in the Premier League at all. I think he's exceeded expectations. When you look at the amount of, of youngsters he's brought in, when you look at the, the value he's added to that squad by doing so, um, they haven't made a single signing because I didn't end up signing anyone in January. So he couldn't freshen it up, which, which all of his rivals did. I, I think he's done
1: a remarkable job. I definitely appreciate your piece where you referred to his ruthlessness in his first season. How, how would you maybe, just, if you were defining it in one word, how would you define his first season? Is ruthless the way you would, or what's the, or overachieving? No, I, I don't think,
3: yeah, I mean, I, I don't think ruthless would, would be the one word. I, I would certainly, if you were giving me a few words, it'd be one of the words. I think it should be the one word to re, to define it um crikey how would I define it in one word I'd I'd, yeah I'd I'd probably say um I'd probably use something like optimism I think he's just given everyone optimism about what what's to, to come I mean in itself he's achieved a lot in this season but I think more than that I think everyone can see where he wants to go with it and I think it's very encouraging for the future if they can just get things right from, from here on in. I mean, they're, they're going to make mistakes. Every football club does. But if they can make more good decisions than bad decisions, then Chelsea are in a very healthy place um, with that squad and with with what they can add to that squad. So, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say optimism.
2: Well, one of the uh, mainstays of that squad is, is Mason Mount. And we just wanted to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on Mason's first season uh, as a as a proper first-team Chelsea player. And I think thinking about his season, is a, is a 7 out of 10 rating that you know he, he kind of self-assessed in your article interview. Is that where you would come in on his performance? No, I'd go higher than that. I'd have him as my player of the year. Um, Agreed.
3: I, I think, you know, uh, was, the, was the FA Cup finalist 52nd appearance? I think it was 51 before that that I wrote. So 52nd appearance, eight goals in total, um, five or six or seven assists, something like that. Uh, made his England debut in that. I mean, I, it's it's an astonishing. I mean, I, I wrote a piece about, um, the, in fact, it's the the ruthless piece about Lampard, and I, I referenced his season in Ancelotti in Ancelotti's season, um, which was his best goal scoring season. So obviously Mount's got no any of that. But in that season, I think Lampard made something like fifty one or fifty two appearances. So Mounts made the same amount as as Lampard was when he was, you know, an established, you know, untouchable as. Yeah. Ever. Um, which I think is incredible. He must have played four, if not five, positions. He's played he's played sort of further back in midfield. He's played both flanks. Um, he's played as the sort of one attacking midfielder. He's played as, as a more reserved box spot. So he's fulfilled so many roles for Lampard. I mean, look, people will say Kovacic is, is their play of the year, and I get that. But I just think Mount, the way he impacts games, the way he starts the press from the front, the goals he scores, um a semi-final goal that goal against Wolves when it was nil-nil which was a huge goal that he would be my pick so you know I'd I'd be giving him you know there's no way he's going to give himself a nine out of ten but for us kind (laughs) of as rookie seasons go it doesn't really get much better
0: I you know personally been thoroughly impressed with Mason we were lucky enough to interview him and just his I think he would give himself a seven because he knows he wants to improve but to your point today in this season it was very well for his rookie season uh, so looking at the transfer window, uh, I actually, we're trying to do the math and lay everything out. And I think you kind of come up with it in your tweets calling it a car crash, because if Arsene Wenger were still in the league, he would absolutely be losing it. Um, <laughs> so the fact that it overlaps so deep into the season, um, I guess with the window now closing on the 16th of October, it's going to change how the clubs are acting. I mean, I know, Chelsea really aren't thinking about getting going until the beginning of October because the late end to this season. I guess, do you have like a, any kind of sense of what this transfer window is going to look like with such a short turnaround and everything?
3: No, it's difficult um, for many different reasons because of the turnaround, because of the impact of of coronavirus on, on various clubs' budgets. I mean, Chelsea aren't impacted in that respect quite like other clubs, so that makes it a bit easier. But I do think a lot of business will drag. Um, Chelsea, you've clearly made moves to try and start the window quickly, getting Berner in, getting well down the line with Havertz. Um, But then after Havertz, they're going to have to sell before they can just keep adding and adding and adding. You can't, I mean, just numerically as much as anything, you can't just keep adding without getting rid of anything. So when they get Havertz over the line, which I think is a when rather than an if, um, I think it will slow down quite a lot. I, I think the defensive positions, the left back, potentially a centre back, um, goalkeeper. I think that'll all take a lot longer because they're they're reliant on the futures of players that are already at the club and and sorting those out in tandem with with trying to bring in. So that will slow it down. I could see I could see them having two or three deals go right up until the end easily. And I think that'll be the same for a lot of clubs. I think the start of the season will be horrible because I just think we're going to be in that situation we used to be in where A lot of clubs start with players who want to leave. A lot of clubs start without having signed players. They want to sign in various positions, so they're basically using standing or backup players in that position that you know aren't going to play all season. So I think it's going to be a really messy, across the league, I'm not talking about Chelsea now, I think it's going to be a really messy start to the season.
1: One of the things that also might make it messy has been the new financial fair play ruling and the CAS coming in and allowing City back into the Champions League. Mm. Also with the relaxation of the regulations just due to the coronavirus impact. How, How do you get a sense or do you get a sense that that's changing how... Maybe Chelsea or other clubs are looking differently at this transfer window.
3: Yeah, look, I think Chelsea were I mean ironically, Chelsea's transfer ban left them in a very strong position now for this um coronavirus transfer window because they had you know they'd brought in um a deal worth, so not all of it upfront, but they they brought in one hundred and thirty million on hazard. they had um I think it was fifty eight million or something coming in on Maratta this summer from from that turn. so they they were always in a very strong position anyway. Ironically, the transfer ban, given that they finished in the top four and done what they've done this season, has actually worked in their favour, which I'm sure rival clubs aren't very pleased about. Um but yeah, I mean, look, they're they're in a healthy position. They've got a lot of sort of money left over in the bank. Um we know that FFP in the past has limited them in recent years because out of all of the big six clubs, they're the club who has to generate more of their own cash than the others because their revenues are smaller um, in terms of gate receipts and the corporate side. I've, obviously, they get very big sponsorship deals, and that helps. Um, I've written articles in the past, you know, they make significantly less on a week-to-week basis than, than Arsenal and now Tottenham because of the stadium and because of the corporate and what, what you can do there. So they've, for many years, had to bring in a lot more money, and that's where Marina, when people, people sometimes question Marina's role, why one of the big reasons why she's such a plus to that club, because in terms of the accounting and financial fair play, I mean, she, she sort of keeps that club in terms of the stadium. Not, I'm not saying they're a smaller club, but just in terms of the stadium and what they can bring in, she keeps them punching above their weight on, on the accounts. Um, and now with a relaxing of ffp you would imagine it, it gives them the slight uh, a little bit more freedom i don't think that ffp is completely dead in the water i don't think you can just go out and spend 300 million and and nobody's ever going to check check the, the turnover or anything like that and and the wage bill so i, I think you've still got to be careful and chelsea've got to be careful um, but it gives them a bit more flexibility.
2: Part of that flexibility uh, is going to be some players that need to move on naturally from from the club and just its, its current iteration, right? So you have some players that are, are maybe not fits in Lampard's system or have been out on loan for a long time. How difficult might that be, Matt, uh, given the coronavirus, given that a lot of clubs aren't able to necessarily spend the types of money that Chelsea might want for these players? Can you kind of walk through that? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's difficult to predict. It's, they've also got the loan
3: thing as well, because they can't loan as many players out as as they have done um, previously. So it's really difficult to predict how that's going to bite. I mean, a lot of their players were, were starting to kind of really drop in value anyway. Um, you know, Bakshuayi, who who two years ago you might have got 30 million for, you know, you're not going to get more than 15 million for Bakshuayi, coronavirus or no coronavirus. So and then you've got to find a club to pay it It's going to be difficult. They're going to have to work really hard. They might have to, like a lot of clubs, look at deals whereby they're trying to put players into deals and, and use that as a way of, of getting rid of players. But then the wages on top of that is a real issue as well because you know there's not a lot of clubs who can afford to pay the kind of wages that, that Chelsea pay. Um, and if you've got a player who's still got a year or two left on his contract, he's, he might move, but he'll want... Um, He'll want paying at that level, at least for how as how long he'd have got it for at Chelsea. So it's really complicated and it's really difficult. I mean, fortunately, I, I believe Chelsea have got the best in the business at, at sorting those deals out. In Marina, um, she's got a proven track record of of getting in. You know, she gets in transfer fees that you would never believe were possible, quite frankly. Um, and she gets those deals done, and they're clever at working deals. You know, I, I've been told before about. They set up deals whereby they can buy one player, so it sets off a chain of events that eventually manages to mean they can also move a player on. Three or four deals can be connected like this, which is far too complicated to try and actually go through now. But that's what they'll be looking at. They'll be looking at deals where they put players into deals, or you can set up all, almost these, these chain transfers that they've done in the past, whereby there's, there's three or four transfers going on, Involving different clubs, and you're you're setting up a chain of events where you're not only buying a player but you're selling a player as part of it. It's really complicated, but they've done it plenty of times before, and they, they're definitely going to have to do things like that again.
0: Look, just selling Alvaro Morata and taking that money, and getting Timo Werner. I'm good. She's checked all the boxes <laughs> <laughs> for me. No, no questions here. Um, but speaking, you touched on Kai Alberts a little bit earlier as an a when, not an if. Um, It sounds like Chelsea are just taking the time with the negotiation now that they're the only team really interested in him. I'm assuming Marina is just working her magic to get the best deal possible at this point?
2: Yeah,
3: that's what it'll be. Um, I think everything's pretty much unofficially agreed with the player. Um, I don't think there's any problems there. I think that, um, as you say, there's no real competition for him. I think there's an acceptance from both Leverkusen and Chelsea that he's probably going to end up at Chelsea I mean, you, you never say never in terms of something going wrong or someone coming in because it, it can be like that in the transfer window. But this, this seems to be um, all heading in that direction. So then, you know, then Chelsea are in a good negotiating position at that point. And there's no way, given her track record, that Marina is just going to turn around and say, oh, yeah, we'll just what you want. But she will negotiate hard at this point. You know, there's no one else who can really pay the money. Or is willing to pay the money this summer. He's made it clear he wants to leave. He's made it clear he wants to join Chelsea. So Chelsea hold all the aces. Now, apart from getting him in soon enough to to bed in, which I'm sure Frank will want. Um Marina can can slightly take her time. And you know, Chelsea season, albeit with a slightly irrelevant match, is continuing, and Leverkusen's season still has some some way to go because of the Europa League. So all of this will be will be sort of adding to the time a little bit. I mean, I'm sure Frank would like it done as quickly as possible. I, I think Sean now just negotiate hard for the best deal and also the structure of the deal um, in terms of how much they're paying up front, how much is bonuses, how much is uh, percentages now, percentages next summer, or everything like that. I'm sure as well. There's been discussions whether they can send any players to Leverkusen. I haven't heard that they're going to. I haven't heard that Leverkusen have had any interest. But I'm, I'd be amazed if they hadn't tried to offer some players in, in exchange.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, just with the, uh, the the coach now, Leverkusen, being someone who's coached uh, Mishi Bacuayi previously, it feels mm-hmm. like that might be a place where if he's going to find some home, there might be a, a way to sync up there a little bit. But
3: yeah, I, I mean, look, that was my first thought. Um, I don't think they are going to take him. Um, but again, never say never. Um, whether that I'm sure he'd have been offered to them um, and whether the, he... Whether he's not going as part of that deal but could be done in a separate deal, I don't know. I I, I immediately thought that when the Havertz link came and I, I explored that and and I didn't find that that seemed to be realistic at the time. I mean, the, the problem that's has got now is that he's had such a nothing season, really, um, that Chelsea's valuation of him will be a lot higher than, than other clubs' valuation. He's going to be... And he's only got one year left, so he can be quite choosy himself as well, because he knows in one year he'll probably have a lot better options himself. So that why is quite a difficult one this summer. Um, they
2: may get well get rid of him, but for lots of different reasons, it's it's a complicated one. So thinking about the other signings that have kind of been on um, on the radar, and you know, you're kind of looking at Ziesh and Warner and, and Havertz. Can you maybe rank priority from what you're hearing matt on on the um order of maybe like a center back or a left back or a goalkeeper or a midfielder do you do you get a sense of where chelsea is putting their their eggs in a basket right now um yes, but
3: uh I do, but obviously it doesn't mean that things will definitely transpire in this order because opportunities come up sure um, so I wouldn't want to be held to this but I mean, look, clearly Havertz at, their mo- at the moment is their number one because they're so far down the line with him. And I think they think he's a generational talent. Um, you know, you hear a lot of people saying, oh, they don't really need Havertz, they need defenders. And, and I get that and it's true, but I think they view this player as a, as a player, that these opportunities for a player of someone his talent really don't come around very often. I think left-back after that is, is more of a priority than centre-back. Again, though, you, you can't sign a left-back without knowing that one of Alonso or Emerson isn't going to leave. You, can't, you They're not going to have three specialist first-team left-backs at the club. Um, but he the, the, Lampard identified pretty early, way earlier than, uh, than in central defence, that he, he felt he needed a new left-back. I think he thinks he's got two wing-backs at the moment rather than two, two left-backs. Um, and then after that, it's a toss-up between goalkeeper and centre-back. I, I would suspect that goalkeepers are slightly more pressing issue than centre-back, even at the moment. I just think in the last month it's come to a real head uh, with a goalkeeper, um, and there's clearly a problem there. Whereas I, I think Lampard thinks his four centre-backs are coachable, and that there's he can come up with something there, whether it be through through sort of changing it through the team a little bit, or or just changing his coaching with individuals. Um, but I think the goalkeeper one now, it's clear he's lost trust in Kepper And Willie Caballero, I think, maybe in September or certainly soon turns 39. And, you know, you can't be going into the season with the Champions League and the Premier League as, as a 39-year-old, however good he is, as a 39-year-old as your first-choice goalkeeper. So that, that now has, has become more of a priority than it was. And if you're going to ask me what's going to happen with a goalkeeper, that's that's probably the most difficult question of the whole summer, to be quite honest with you.
0: I was going to say, that because we've obviously been linked with pretty much every goalkeeper, whether it's O'Block yeah. <laughs> or Stegen and, and Ben Foster and everything in between. But it sounds like in your article, Czech and Lalishan are drawing up two lists, if they can move Kepa, if they can't. So instead of asking you to tell me who they're going to sign, because that's the impossible question, it's, how likely do you think it is that Chelsea can move Keppa, And is that really the key to getting a top target, is moving Keppa?
3: Yes. Getting a top target, I think, is completely dependent on moving Kepa. Um, you can't sign uh, a 50, 60, 70, 80 million pound goalkeeper and pay him. The wages you'd have to pay him with Kepa still still sort of at the club being paid by Chelsea. I mean, look, they might be able to loan him out and bring, and bring in a top goalkeeper because if you can get someone to pay all of his wages, at least then he's off the wage bill um, and you would get some sort of loan fee and, and, and whatnot. Um, but if, if he has to stay at the club, then I don't see there's any possibility of them bringing in a top goalkeeper, as it were, at all. And that they would have to sign a sort of bridging goalkeeper um, to almost get them through the interim period um to a stage where they might be able to then get rid of kepper but yeah it's really difficult I, I look this is me guessing now because I, I don't work in the market so i don't actually know but having spoken to a lot of people who do work in the market and just from assessing it myself i i don't possibly see how they can sell kepper this summer mm-hmm. because two years into his seven-year contract If he was signed at 72 million, then you're you're saying at the moment he's worth about 52 million in terms of making a break-even on the books, which is what they'll be. They're not going to want to sell him for less than a break-even. So you've got to to sell him. You've got to get at least 52 million, otherwise you've made an accounting loss on him, which Chelsea so rarely do these days, if ever. Um, You could loan him because you could put him on a year's loan, and then his fee is. The fee you would have to sell him for next year would come down another 10 million um, on the amortisation of it. Um, so you could loan him for a year and then hope that you could get a buyer at around 40 million next year. You could loan him for two years and try and get a buyer for around 30 million. But they've tried this with a few players recently, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, they got the agreement in place with Murata before they loaned him back, and, and that's worked well. Um, Bakayoko though. They've been doing this with Bakioka, keep loaning them out to bring the value down a bit year by year on the books, and then hope you can sell them for, for that. And, and it hasn't happened on Bakioka. Um, they could have. Had, funnily enough, they could have done it on Batshuayi at one stage after we'd been to Dortmund and probably actually made a profit on him. Um, but now they're at a stage with, with, with Batshuayi where I don't think they'll get the book value. So they'll, Kepa's a nightmare. Quite frankly, Kepa's a nightmare for them. What, what they do with Kepa is nightmares about I do think one thing they will have in the back of their minds is that early this season, I think a lot of people were doubting Pulisic. Um, both outside and, and some inside the club were, were worried about Pulisic early on and, and whether he was going to settle. Now, obviously, Kepa's been at the club two years now and Pulisic had only been at the club a few months. But the fact that Pulisic's undoubted talent has, has come out with time... I wonder whether there'll be people at the club who think that they should give Kepper a little bit longer um, and hope that his, his undoubted talent will come out. But personally with Lampard as, as manager, I, I, I think I just don't see Kepper getting that opportunity. Opportunity now. It's really difficult.
1: One of the other goalkeeping names that seems to be linked quite frequently, and, and I'm asking more to understand uh, how serious we should take a link like this, is Andre Onana from Ajax. Is that more down to the fact that we've done business with Ajax recently and it's been easy to work with them, or is it actually a legitimate target for us?
3: Yeah, look, Onana is one they've looked at for sure, um, like a lot of clubs have. Chelsea have developed a very good relationship with Ajax, not just over um zh but before then was it was it castillo who had gone gone over there on loan Mm -hmm. they've i don't know at what level i don't know who the relationship is between i'll be honest but there's there's definitely a healthy relationship between those two clubs um so yeah for sure they've looked at anana um i get the impression Anana's probably more likely to stay for one more year and sign a contract extension i think a lot of clubs like a anana without actually being sold on the fact that he's top level. Um, and his price range kind of falls in between. It's not cheap enough that you can sign him and take a bit of a risk on him, because it's probably around 30-35 million. Um, if he were 20 million, then I think a lot of clubs would, would be willing to maybe take a little bit of a risk when they're not totally sure on him. Um, but he's just a bit more expensive than that. But, that, but then he's not top end either. So he, he falls in between I can see him moving to the Premier League eventually, but probably not this summer. And Chelsea have definitely looked at him and Chelsea have definitely scouted him and talked about him. Um, at the moment, I'd be surprised if he ended up a Chelsea player. But, you know, who knows? Who knows?
2: Switching gears to left back, because that's the, the kind of um, next big one on your list. Does Chelsea think that Leicester falling into the kind of Europa League area, that, that there's some work around room with Chilwell on, on price? Or is that still going to be kind of the, the big inflection point that they have to overcome if they want to sign him? Yeah, look,
3: Leicester are difficult, really difficult to negotiate with. They've, they've proved that over recent years. Um, and they, they don't need the money. You know, they're a wealthy club. They, they don't need the money. So the Chilwell, I think, will come down to Chilwell. Um, if he's prepared to really push for a move and, and tell them he wants to leave and potentially even tell them he doesn't want to play for the club anymore, let alone just leave, then there might be a way of negotiating that. If Chilwell doesn't want to do any of that, even if he does want to join Chelsea, but he doesn't want to upset Leicester and burn his bridges at Leicester, then, then I think it becomes much more difficult. The Champions League will certainly have an impact, I'd imagine, on Chilwell himself. I think it would be much more much easier to convince Chilwell to give Leicester one more year if they were going to be playing in the Champions League. Um, trying to do that with no Champions League, I think, is a lot more difficult, not impossible. Um, but I've, I've always thought with Chilwell that this, this is a deal that comes down to him. If, if he's willing to push it and push it, then it, it can probably get done and the fee can probably get negotiated down. If he's not willing to
2: push it, um, then I don't really see why Leicester would budge. Who is the next? So let's pretend he doesn't force a way out. Who, who are the next you know, one or two targets that, that are kind of on your big board?
3: Well, look, I mean, Chilwell is, is definitely Lampard number one. Now, if Lampard has to wait for Chilwell, he might be prepared to do so. A bit like Klopp waited for Van Dyke. Lamp- Lampard likes the Liverpool model. He likes what Klopp's done. I know he had that row with Klopp on the touchline, but... <laughs> he talks a lot in private about what Liverpool done and talks a lot about their patience. Um, and we saw that in January a little bit. You know, they could have signed players, um, but they, they chose not... They, they didn't get some players they wanted and they chose not to sign other players because they felt they would rather wait and go for more long-term, long-term targets. Now, if Lampard gets the feeling that he can't get Chilwell now, but he might be able to in January or definitely can next summer then I wouldn't necessarily ruling out the fact that Lampard will say, do you know what? Chillwell's the one I want. And if we have to wait six months or a year, let's wait six months or a year and we'll, we'll go with what we've got and get Chillwell. So that could happen. Um, if, if it's not Chilwell and there's no sense that that deal can be done anytime soon so they, they feel they still have to get a left back, then look, the, this guy's name I struggle with saying every time, but Tagliafico? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: The Ajax player, clearly one they've looked at. Um, he can go for around 20-odd million, so he's very attractive price-wise, rise, price wise, should I say. Um, the Real Madrid left-back, who I've got to be honest, I, I, I didn't know anything about Chelsea's interest in him until it came up in the foreign press. I'm a little bit sceptical on it um, as to how strong the interest is. Um, it feels like one that maybe has been driven by, by the player side at the moment more than Chelsea's side. But I can only assume there must have been a bit of interest. But it's not one I've been over. You know, I'll be honest, there are some transfers I know a lot about and others I don't. And, and if that one happens, it'll be one I didn't know an awful lot about. Um, and then the other left-back they like is Lucas Dinha at, at Everton. Now, interestingly, Everton have also been linked with this Real Madrid left-back. Um, so whether there's something going on in that process of, of an agent actually using Chelsea in the market to try and get Everton to, to do it and then it frees up maybe Dinia to, to go to Chelsea, who knows? These thing, type of things happen all the time. Um, but look, they're, they're the names and they've all been out there. I don't think there's a secret name as such. I don't think there's there's a there's a lot going on in the background. But All I know is that that Chilwell is very much Lampard's first choice, so if if he feels there's an opportunity now or in the near future to to get Chilwell, I think he'll want to do that rather than going for a second choice.
0: All right, so Declan Rice, obviously linked, probably Mason Mount leaking it so he can get his boy back at the club. Um, but do you see Declan Rice being a viable option for Chelsea, whether it's uh, you know, a holding mid role with N'Golo Kante's injury concerns, even playing centre-back, and the potential upside with him having such a strong leadership role in the West Ham team already? Is that, do Chelsea and
3: Lampard and Jody and everyone find him attractive? Lampard and Jody certainly do, um, for sure. I mean, they like a lot of things about him. They like, as you say, his leadership they like his aggression, um, the fact he can play probably three positions, he can probably play as a defensive midfielder, um, a defender in a back three or a defender in a back four. Um, so you can, he can play three positions, he can play in three different formations for you. So he's very attractive from that point of view. The, the other attraction to him is, is that there's no, there's no real risk to him. You know, he's been at Chelsea, he knows Chelsea. He knows a lot of the players at Chelsea having grown up in the academy with him. Obviously, everyone knows about his friendship with Mason Mount. So there's, there's, a, there's a sort of no risk factor with him too. So there's an awful lot there for them to like. Um, as a club, I think they like him too. But the problem is as a club is that valuation of him is extremely high. You know, West Ham won anything between 65 and 80 million on, on Declan Rice. He signed a new contract maybe last year. Um, He doesn't have any clauses in his contract. Obviously, West Ham stayed up. He doesn't strike me, even though with his Chelsea connections, he doesn't strike me as the kind of lad who's going to, at this stage, cause any trouble for West Ham. I think he respects him too much. So I think the the, the club certainly know that that is an extremely expensive, difficult transfer. Um, I definitely think Declan Rice will play for Chelsea again one day. I just don't know when. It could be this summer. It could be next summer. I think when he leaves West Ham, he will, he will go to Chelsea. Um, a bit like signing a centre-back or a left-back. I could see this one really gathering legs if, if Chelsea saw, sell uh, Jorginho, um, which they could do. I think they would take an offer on him. Um, and I think he's still that highly, so highly thought of in Italy, I, I wouldn't see them losing money on him. So, you know, they could well field an offer for, for him. And if he were to go, I could really see then the Declan Rice one accelerating. Um, but he, he's he's a really interesting prospect. I mean, you, you can make a case for if that you sell a defender, maybe sign Declan Rice. But the only thing I would argue with that is whereas Declan Rice can clearly play centre-back, I think if you actually sell a centre-back, you need to sign a specialist centre-back, mm-hmm. given the problems you've had at the back. Um, I think it would be a massive, massive risk to sell a centre-back and bring... Eklund Rice in without bringing in a specialized centre-back because um, that's a gamble. You just don't know how it's going to go. He hasn't played much at centre-back for a very long time now. Um, But yeah, I I do firmly believe one day he'll be a Chelsea player again one day.
1: One of the centre-backs that in your articles you have linked is uh, Jose Menez from Athleti. Is that one that you see could be an option? He seems like he has a massive buyout clause, and uh, maybe a little difficult just coming back off an injury. Is he kind of a top, the top center yeah. back target? Well, look,
3: he's he's got everybody in Spain's got a massive buyout clause. It, it doesn't mean you always have to pay pay the buyout clause. Um, Atletico have got some money issues. They are going to have to sell um, players and uh, in terms of bringing some money in and. He's a funny player because a couple of years ago, I I think Man City tried to sign him. He was really rated as as the centre-back prospect. Now, he's had injury problems, but I wonder whether that's given Chelsea a sniff of an opportunity. Um, They've scouted Atletico an awful lot. I mean, look, they've been linked with a goalie a lot. That's another club that they've got strong links at. But I know for sure they've scouted Atletico and, and Jimenez particularly an awful lot. He's. Strong, look, he's not the tallest, but he's very strong in the air. He's extremely aggressive. When you talk to Lampard about what maybe Chelsea are missing and what they might need, he fits into every category. Um, So, if it were a money no object centre back signing, yes, I think he'd be the top target. Um, And look, I I don't know the price will be, you know, I'm sure Atletico will say, well, this is his buyout clause, but. There's no way Chelsea are paying his buyout clause, so it would have to be below the buyout clause. And if there's an opportunity there, they, they will certainly try and exploit it. Whether there's an opportunity there as well because of the money they're, they are due to have received from Moretta, um, I don't know because I wouldn't be privy to, to that kind of level of detail. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he ticks every box. I think he'd be a really, really exciting signing for Chelsea and would... On paper, on paper, he would solve a lot of their problems. I think. I think he could be as big for Chelsea as as Van Dijk were for for Liverpool.
1: Oh. I know one of the things that you also talk about a lot is making sure that Chelsea maintain the one in one out policy, uh, which centre back you know if we you know Jimenez was the one that we ended up bringing in would be most likely to be at the top of the out list.
3: Well, this is an interesting question because I think you have to actually judge the list by who's the most realistic one they could actually sell. Um, now, look, I think Rudiger, you'd have a tough time selling Rudiger because of all his injury problems. I think getting Rudiger through a medical and convincing a club to spend the kind of money that Chelsea would value him at for a player with his injury record would be tough. Even if he, you know he's fit now, but he does have an injury record. He does have a knee that, that has persistent problems. And I think that would be tough to sell him uh, anywhere near the, the amount of money Chelsea would, would want. So I would put him at the bottom of the list, not because of talent or because of whatever, just because I, I, I think he would be the toughest to sell. I think there's a market for Zuma. Um, I think there's, there's clubs out there. You know, Everton have clearly had him before. I'd be surprised if they weren't interested again. There's this bad blood between the clubs, but Jose Mourinho is well known to, to love Zuma. Zoom is very highly rated in his own country where you might get one of them for the, the richer French clubs, um, PSG or Monaco or whoever, to have a look. So I think Zoom is probably at the top of the list in terms of who you could sell. Christensen is, is really difficult because I, Christensen is such a difficult one to value because Chelsea, I think, know that Christensen is potentially a very, very valuable centre-back um were they to sell him to a spanish club for instance you could find within 2 years that christensen's worth sort of 70 million and and one of the big spanish clubs best central defender because he would suit that style of football so well it's just getting the, the ingredients in there to to help him sustain an english season and be consistent in an english season is difficult um and so you know spanish clubs who have Spanish and German clubs have been particularly interested in Christensen, I think are looking for a bargain because they they actually rate him very highly and and want to pick him off at a bargain, which Chelsea are very reluctant to to allow to happen. And I think Chelsea are reluctant to sell him because I think they fear that he could be another De Bruyne or someone were he to go away and play overseas and really blossom and get his confidence.
0: Yeah, uh, I... I've talked a lot about him. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, but we'll have to see. But anyways, Matt, thanks so much for jumping on and, and talking transfers and Frank Lampard and Chelsea. really appreciate it.
3: Thanks. Thanks for your time. And apologies, my internet connection has been slightly dodgy. Um, and I've had to be a little bit shorter than I planned. No worries. None at all. Just, uh, well appreciate we'll,
0: it. Absolutely. We'll link all of Matt's stuff in the description below. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.